Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. Good morning, Living Word Family Church. I am so, so, so glad you're here today. I'm so glad we are here today. And uh, glad the, those of you who are tuning in are tuning in from distance, uh, whether short distance or long distance. You're not here pre- uh, physically with us, but we're together in another very real sense that we'll be talking about today a little bit, as a matter of fact. Nothing new in today's message, just going to kind of solidify some things. And let me start with this. It might seem like an odd place to start, but I want to make something crystal clear in light of some of the measures we're taking right now. Uh, this, I, we are, can we be in agreement as a church, as a word of faith church, that Living Word Family Church and this building is a COVID-free zone? Amen. All right? I, I said, you know, good grief, week after Easter, that uh, I don't believe that we can, we can curse this disease out of existence any more than we can curse poverty, sickness, and death out of existence. But we can certainly declare freedom from it in our families, in our bodies, and in our meeting house, right? That is well within the, the, the realm of the authority that God's given us, right? Uh, I'm not preaching a message on COVID today. I'm not preaching a message on the protests either, but I do want to remind you that I was in the midst of what was, had turned out to be a series on faith when uh, we sort of uh, interrupted the series to celebrate gathering together in the parking lot for the first time since this thing started. And then last week we were celebrating being back in this building for the first time in a long time. Uh, But we ended up going a different direction, obviously. Uh, But, you know, God blessed us with this building and it is so good to be back in it. And I sent you some guidelines in preparation for being back in here. I sent you some guidelines from the public health department And we are obviously continuing to practice some safety measures, which are going to seem somewhat cumbersome. And I need you to understand some things before we move on. We are practicing these things, sanitation, social distancing, limited touching of surfaces and so on, for two main reasons. Number one, we really do care for and love the most vulnerable in our midst, right? In this church and in our community. Uh, And also, we are doing this as, uh, as an expression of our public witness. I know it seems like this has gone on for far too long, but there is still a lot that they are learning about this virus, still figuring some things out. And we, while these restrictions have been lifted, we do not want our public witness to be that of a people that are careless, right? And uh, in some kind of a free-for-all. We still want to respect those that are in authority uh, as long as they are operating within the limits of of that authority. And we still want to remember that there are real cases of this disease. It's not something to be afraid of. It's not the boogeyman, but it is something that is there. And uh, while they're figuring this out, let's just res- let's be respectful of these guidelines. We're not following all of them. As I mentioned last week, we're singing, and one of the guidelines is don't sing. Uh, but we can trust God here in our midst, right? Anyway, I say all that to say that we're not taking these measures out of fear. Fear and faith are not compatible. Said that a while back. 
But at the same time, I don't know about you, but I was washing my hands before meals. I was washing my hands after shaking hands with 100 people long before COVID-19. That wasn't fear, was it? That's common sense. A little extra caution, just a little extra caution in the face of something we still don't know everything about is not fear. It's sense. But just because we're not afraid and just because we're doing something that is sensible doesn't mean we're in faith, does it? And we want to be in faith. So, trick question. No, it's not a trick question. It's just a question. Do we have a covenant with God, the creator of our bodies, through Jesus Christ? Do we? Yes, we do. Does that covenant include physical healing? Yes. Do we have specific promises of protection? Do we have, uh, well, I'm asking, do, have all the requirements been met in Jesus Christ for our protection, the covenant of protection, the covenant of healing, and also the covenant of provision? Do we have specific promises for all those things? And has Jesus met the requirement, right? And we're in him, so we're good, right? We are. So we have nothing to do? That's wrong, and we know that. What's our part? We believe those promises, we claim those promises, we speak those promises. We speak to our bodies the healing covenant that Jesus has provided through his finished work. We, we declare protection over ourselves, over our households. We trust him as we speak to our needs. And by the way, we also give. I'm speaking now to that promise, that specific promise to supply our needs. That is a promise, but as we pointed out recently, that specific promise that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, was made in the context of a committed relationship of financial support. We cannot earn or buy his, uh, his provision, but giving is the scriptural way we exercise faith for provision. Just like baptism cannot save us, we are not saved by the washing of our flesh with water. But baptism is the scriptural expression of our faith in the, in the saving work of Jesus Christ. Uh, which, let me say, by the way, for any of you who have made a commitment to Christ and have not since been water baptized, let me know as soon as possible so we can get something scheduled. And I'll need to figure out how we do that uh, in a uh, sanitized way as well. We'll baptize you in Lysol or something like that. Clorox. We'll mix everything together. That sounds safe, right? Drink it. Ugh. This is getting dark already. That heaviness is back. No. Um, meanwhile, and this is all just upfront stuff. This is bonus uh, stuff to stir you up by way of reminder. Remember that God's promises are for today. And when I say they're for today, I don't mean that in the obvious sense that, that they didn't go away. I mean that they are for today, not tomorrow, not next week. Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. Give us this day our daily bread. Yes, the promises will be for tomorrow when we are in tomorrow, but by then it's today. Daily we speak his word. Daily we claim the promises, right? Um, now, all that to say, so that when I say this is a COVID-free zone, I'm not talking hyper-faith, and I'm not being flip. 
I mean that we who have chosen to gather here can come in confidence and we can rest assured that we have been freed from the curse of the law and that no plague shall come near our dwelling. It will come near us. And let's just remind ourselves again daily that we will not be infected and we will not infect others. All right? Now, now is when I have to tell you that I, compare, I prepared a completely different sermon uh, last night. And uh, it was weird because I had it in my mind. I had a direction I wanted to go, and every paragraph, it seemed, I wrote, it ended up turning into a different direction. And uh, so I ended up with a different kind of sermon. And I don't know how to explain it better than that, other than to tell you that it was a different message than the one I want to preach this morning. I will preach it sometime, but not today. My message last week was longish, and one thing I do want to do in terms of addressing the health concern and, and you know, all the social distancing, everything, where else, everything else we're doing in here, I want to keep you in the building for as little time as possible. And so my aim is to preach short. Last week it didn't happen because uh, I didn't feel like I could shorten the, the sermon and treat the subject as it needed to be treated. But I am pretty sure I can keep this one short. We have tried, uh, let me say this, I'll keep the sermon short and get you out of the building as soon as possible. When we're done in here, when the ushers dismiss you, keep moving through the lobby outside. We've got that nice overhang. We've got a parking lot. It's a nice day today. What we're going to do when it's 100 degrees, we'll see. Uh, and, uh, but meanwhile, don't huddle in the lobby, okay? Get out there in the fresh air and sunshine. Now. Uh, I want to uh, thank you, the congregation, for maintaining the ties that bind us together, even while we've been apart. We've tried to do this with uh, emails, phone calls, and of course through video messages on our end. Uh, but of course, there is nothing like being together. We come together for mutual encouragement mutual edification, to uh, be blessed by the gifts that God manifests in our midst for our uh, mutual edification, and, of course, to participate in corporate praise and worship. Listen, I don't care how good the artist is. I don't care how good the music is. I don't care how good the quality of the recording is. There is nothing like gathering together for worship. And so uh, there's a couple groups of people I want to thank today. And first of all, let me thank the praise and worship team. Uh, I, uh, you guys, such a blessing and, and, and overwhelmed. I've just moved the last two Sundays. I just can't believe how full and how blessed I feel just to be there uh, singing with you guys as you lead us in praise and worship. But I also thank you for what I know is, is, was the difficult task of recording several praise and worship uh, sessions in an, empty, <laughs> in an empty sanctuary. I tried preaching that way a couple times. Wasn't my bag, and you didn't have the option of going into my office and doing it there like I did. So thank you for doing that. It really helped, really helped a lot. But thanks for sticking with it, staying uh, prayed up and, and practiced up rehearsed up or whatever, and, and blessing us with your gifts today. Uh, 
this is not an exhaustive list. There's just a, there's a few people I want to I want to specify. Don't feel slighted. This was a little bit last minute, and as always, there's there's people I'm sure that I'm forgetting. Uh, but Pastor Mike has been his usual uh, giant of a man. His, he's a rock. His, his continuing to visit people, call on people, and in the middle of all that, putting out some excellent Wednesday night messages. Thank you for doing that, Pastor Mike. That has taken, that's actually taken a lot off my plate, and I, and I appreciate that. Matt has been handling, you know, all this, uh, all the recording. He's got to pack this stuff up, move it from one office to another, one room to another, and get all this stuff I don't know. I don't even know the language. Rendered, loaded, prepared, all, all to, to go out over the, over the internet, which has been super important the last few months, and, and doing that while maintaining his role as youth leader and reaching out to the youth in the middle of all this. Thank you, Matt. Uh, there's a work crew that comes in regularly throughout the week. Um, Jim Knight, Doug and Janet Tedrow, Ken Beatty, Steve Welter. Uh, Sandy Mack, all these, and, I, and many others come in, but those who I just mentioned are here uh, several times a week for long stretches doing just whatever needs to be done. There are projects that get done constantly that you would never notice unless they didn't get done. Uh, but some of you did notice. I mean, they've hung all the, uh, the hand sanitizers and, and rearranged stuff and uh, a number of things uh, to, get, to get us ready just to be back in the building. So thank you. Thank you, uh, everybody who's come in here and, and been part of that work crew. If you would like to be part of that work crew, <laughs> we will find work for you to do. We will find a place to plug you in if you've got that kind of time. Uh, Sherry Mania has continued to be in here off and on, get the newsletter out, answer the phones, and generally make my life easier while Brenda continues to recuperate at home. Thank you, Sherry. Where are you at? Uh, and Brenda, of course, who, while recuperating at home, has continued to do important work for the church and stay in touch and stay on top of things. Can't wait to get you back in the office, Brenda. Good to see you here this morning. I want to thank the elders. Raise your hands, elders, those of you that are here. Uh, thank you so much for doing your part to bear the burden of leadership in this church and making phone calls on my behalf. Uh, thank you. Could not do it without you. You guys could not do it without them, whether you realize it or not. They are, they are precious, precious leaders. Yes, and um, finally, ushers, the ones who are in here, will you stand up, please? Where are my ushers? Are they all, they're all out in the... There we go. These guys have gone above and beyond, especially these last few weeks. There are so many things that had to be put in place and so many things that had to, the, the, all these spacing issues and stuff and the directions and the, uh, they, it's a real struggle. Again, I, these guys are pros and I think they make it look easy, but it's tough getting people seated in this way where we're trying to not only keep that space this way, but stagger as much as possible. And so they come in, they seat somebody, and then while they're getting ready to seat the next person, maybe you get up and walk away and they can't remember, oh, wait a second, who's supposed to be sitting there? Uh, it's been, uh, I know it's a burden, and it's not just that. It's every, everything that makes this run so smoothly, you guys are the best. Thank you for your extra work. Uh, and it is, it's what everybody does. And finally, again, to you guys for your faithful commitment to Living Word Family Church. And I don't just mean that financially. I mean, uh, you guys have been, you have been extraordinarily faithful in that regard, in the financial side. I just mean the way you have continued to stay connected and engaged with one another, checking on one another, and taking care of one another. 
uh, with the church at large. Uh, but it's, it's been a tough time. I've hated not being together. And uh, it blesses me more than you probably know to think about how together you guys have been even while we've been physically separated. So now, here we are to my message, which now has to be even shorter. <laughs> but it is kind of tied in with that. I want to talk to you about that, about the body a little bit. Very familiar passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. And Paul's talking about the gifts, and he's talking about the different kinds of gifts and how they are all from the same spirit, all for the same reason. But he says this. It's a beautiful illustration in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a member of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? Uh, let's skip down to um, verse 25. That there should be no schism in the body, but that all the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. We've talked about this before. You are not the body of Christ. You are not the body of Christ. You are not the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. You are a member of the body of Christ. You are a member of the body of Christ and so on. Uh, the church, the local church, this church is a visual expression of the body of Christ. We are a microcosm. The body of Christ is all believers. We are an expression of that, a local expression of the body of Christ, where we're supposed to be. Remember, Paul's illustrating something here, and we can't take it further than it's meant to go, but we can't ignore the principle either. Taking it too far would be to assign every member uh, of the label of a particular body part. Let's figure out who in here is the hand, uh, let's figure out who in here uh, is the, the foot, who is the belly button, who's the armpit, and everything else. Uh, that's obviously not where he's going with that. And also taking it too far would be to think that we could never be physically apart for any reason. Uh, the point that Paul is making is that Christ has made up his body in order has made us his body in order to nail down the truth that we are to function as one, to function in unity, that there are things we can only accomplish as a body. To, to function properly, all the parts of the body have to be there. We can survive without certain body parts, but we cannot fully thrive and perfectly function without all the body parts. Steve Hale, where you at? Anybody notice anything missing on Steve Hale? He's never been shy about that. I asked him about something earlier, and he said, well, I've always been a little shorthanded. 
Steve Hale is a whole man, right? Steve Hale's a blessing to the body of Christ. But Steve has never made a secret of the fact that he wants that arm back. The difference is Steve, without that arm, is functioning and serving. His arm is not his right arm. You see the difference? Steve knows, I'll have that arm back someday. I want that arm now because I'm better with that arm than without it. But that arm without Steve is useless. Do you see the difference? Thank you, brother. It's the same with the church. The church needs you. It needs every part. It needs every body part. But you need the church more. The church cannot thrive and perfectly function without everybody here. But the individual parts are cutting themselves off from God's ordained source when they cut themselves off from the body. Let's, in Ephesians chapter 4, just a couple verses, beginning in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, and this is actually the end of maybe the longest sentence in the Bible, but I'm not taking it out of context. You can read it. Uh, in beginning of verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself self in love. So now some people would say, look, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not in fellowship with the church, but I'm not cut off from the body. I'm still attached to the head. I'm still attached to Jesus. But that's Paul's point, see, that the proper way of understanding the body of Christ is that we are all attached to the head through one another. My hand is attached to my head, but only because it's attached to my arm, which is attached to my shoulder, which is attached to my neck, which is attached to my head. And again, that's why we don't get into assigning body parts, because someone would say, well, I'm the neck, and that means I'm closer to the head than anybody else. No, all I'm stressing is the interconnectedness of all of us, all right? This is biblical. What I'm trying to point out is two things, two pretty simple things. And the, and the main one is this. Really, you guys are an excellent expression of the body of Christ. You really are. I say it again, the thing that has, over these last few months, has lifted me up in some, uh, some of the darker moments has been your clear commitment to one another, taking care of one another, doing things for one another, all the while staying engaged with the community and with the world because that's the other side of this thing. I've mentioned this before, I told you this story, and it's not much of a story, it's just an example. There's a group of people that I know uh, who, uh, not from here, by the way, uh, who one by one moved to a uh, rural community in another state. I'm just trying to keep it as vague as possible. And uh, their purpose, their stated purpose was they wanted to get off the grid and live in their own little, they, the, the, the people who remained behind 
uh, call, refer to them as, as the, the people that went to live on the compound. And it's not a compound per se. It's just this loose-knit community of believers who separated themselves from society to ride out the last days. Now, they're not, their, their beliefs are more or less orthodox. I wouldn't classify them as a cult just yet, but they have cut themselves off from almost all dealings with society at large, and they only fellowship among themselves. But you know, Christians engaging with society at large, that's the Great Commission. How on earth are we going to bring in the harvest if we are not out in the middle of those ripened fields? We've got to be out there, folks. We, get, we come in here to get ready to go out there, and then we come back in here to get refreshed and fed and get ready to go back out there. Isn't that the idea here? Yeah. Believe me, God, when these people would say, well, we're just, we're going to be out here on our own, and we're just going to trust God to take care of us out here. God is well able to take care of you right out there, even in the middle of all hell breaking loose around you. And as weird and as troubling as some of these recent developments are, we are not there yet. Circling back to the beginning of this message about speaking the word over ourselves, look, we know this. God loves us, and he wants us healthy. He wants us protected. He wants us well-supplied for our own sakes because he loves us. He's a perfect father. Why wouldn't he want? Who, what, what parent doesn't want their kid healthy and well-supplied and safe? But God also expects us, indeed, he commands us to spend ourselves in the purpose of harvesting souls. There is no reward you will receive in heaven for walking in perfect health. Do you understand that? You will not receive a special reward in heaven for believing God for, and successfully for all of your needs to be abundantly met. God put it on my heart to believe for $500,000, and I did. You don't get a reward for believing for that. There is no reward in heaven for walking in divine protection. Those things are our privileges as children of God here and now. Those promises should make us fearless in carrying out the Great Commission. There is no time or in, there is no place in the history of mankind when I would rather be a Christian than right here and right now. And when I say that, I'm not just acknowledging God's divine purpose in having me right here and right now. What I mean is, I mean that objectively. There has never been a nation where, where and when it, is, it has been safer and easier to be a Christian than in the United States right now. Now, that might be changing quickly, but that's still true. The unfortunate corollary to that is that we, we who believe in faith and the power of faith's confession happen to live in a time and place where those things have never been less necessary for survival. Do you see what I'm saying? There are too many safety nets, too many other options. 
We live in the richest country on earth with the best economic system by far. Now, there are mitigating factors, but by and large, if you are industrious and if you are thrifty, you will thrive in this society. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to, be, you don't have to possess any special skill if you are industrious and if you are thrifty. You'll, you'll thrive in this society, broadly speaking. Again, there are mitigating factors, backgrounds and other things. But this is, a, this is a country, this is an economic system that is designed to reward thrift and industry. So, what's easy is for people to be industrious and thrifty and then say, God blessed me. And he did. But... All I'm trying to tell you is there are places and always have been, just read your history or read your newspapers, where industry and thrift will get you nowhere. It doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter how smart you are with your money. You are stuck because of certain political systems, because of certain connections that lack, or because of lack of any number, any number of factors about the society itself. And here's the, here's the risky thing to say. God's promises still work in those places, and they always have. The difference is, it's God or nothing over there. Has been God or nothing down through the ages in many places. We live here, and we want to live by faith because we want to please God. And we think we're living by faith, but sometimes it's hard to know, isn't it? Because we, have, we are surrounded, we are protected uh, by so many other things than God's protection. We are supplied by so many other things other than God's supply. And we are healed and healthy because of so many other things other than the healing power of God, right? Right? I, you can't deny it. I'm, and I'm not, slamming, I'm not slamming any of those things. That's why I would, I would rather be a Christian nowhere else because we've got such an abundance of all these things. I'm just saying God's promises are no less powerful where medical help is a lot further away and jobs are a lot more scarce and the turmoil, uh, the tumultuous political situation is a lot more dangerous. Anyway, let's keep moving. We owe it to ourselves because of where we are and when we are. We owe it to ourselves and we owe it to the world to be bold in our stand for God and in our confession of his promises. And when we are confronted, like now, with a health crisis, that, uh, that, like, that we've never seen, and one that simultaneously threatens to wreck our economy, this should be our moment to shine. Oh no, here's a disease doctors can do nothing about yet, and we say, I'm the healed of God, and no plague shall come near my dwelling. Oh, no. Dow dropped 1,600 points in one day. My 401K is shot, but my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Think of all the jobs that have been lost, graduations that didn't get to be celebrated, vacation plans that got to be canceled, retirement plans lost, college plans up in the air. So many things that we have not just enjoyed or looked forward to, but actually defined ourselves by. All this turned upside down. This is a good, good time to remember that our worth and our identity are defined by the supreme truth that we are in Christ. 
And in Christ, there is no condemnation. Not only no condemnation, there's no lack. There's no sickness. Go, go home and listen today. Look it up on YouTube. There's an old imperial song right before they went contemporary. Back when they were just doing straight gospel called No Shortage. Anybody remember that song? There's a shortage on corn. We got a shortage on wheat. I got to stop singing because I'm going out over the... Millions of people are listening to this. It's not just you guys. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the prize, church. God's promises are true. And God is faithful to perform his word no matter who's in the White House, no matter who, what the World Health Organization or the CDC says, no matter what any governor or pundit claims or proclaims. That doesn't mean we don't participate in the democratic process. We absolutely do. It just means we don't put our trust in it. We don't put our faith in it. I've told the story a number of times about the first Christian concert I attended. I apologize to those of you who've heard it a number of times. But this was a festival-type concert with a number of artists. And the last guy to come out was a well-known uh, country-slash-pop singer who had recently released, uh, frankly, a dynamite Christian album. It was one of my favorite albums. I couldn't wait for, to hear him do songs from it. And he came out and started singing one of his secular country hits at a Christian concert. And people started going, it wasn't like, ooh, I can't hear this. It was like, this isn't what I came for. And it's late. He's the last act. People start trickling out. And he finishes the song, and then he says, you know, people ask me, when did you stop singing? When did you stop being a country singer and start being a Christian singer? And I said, I'm not a Christian singer. I'm a country singer who happens to be a Christian. Now, I think, I think really probably all he meant to say was, I'm a country singer who happens to sing Christian music. But I think it would have sounded better if he said, I'm a Christian who sings country and Christian music. There's a subtle difference there in terms of how you're defining yourself. Uh, and I just want to remind you that you and I are first and foremost citizens of the kingdom of heaven. There is nothing technically wrong with saying I am an American Christian, but it's really more scriptural to say I'm a Christian who lives in America. I say this as a patriot, okay? I'm just saying keep our priorities straight. It keeps us focused on the eternal because right now, in fact, I am an American Christian, but I won't be in heaven. If I'm reading scripture right, I don't think there will be any American Christians in heaven or Chinese Christians in heaven or Russian Christians in heaven. There will be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And my kingdom rights are transnational. That's really a whole nother sermon. I'm getting off track. What I want to do real quick before we close the service is I want to pray for you. I want to lead you in a confession. You know, I w we're going to pray for healing. And Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. James said, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Uh, but Paul also, um, he was preaching one time and he just looked at a man and saw that he had faith to be healed and said to him, stand up. Stand up on your feet. And the man did. He leapt and he walked. There was no laying on of hands. There was no anointing with oil. All I'm saying is there's not a formula here. It's faith. It's the power of God that heals. And the oil and the laying on of hands, these are simply points of contact for your faith, which is in what? The finished work of Jesus Christ and God's promise to heal. So I want to stress to you right now, stand up with me. I want to stress to you right now that if you are a believer, 
you have a covenant of healing and provision and protection. More importantly, you have waiting for you an eternal home in heaven. But if you have never personally made a commitment to Christ, then that's not you. You are outside of the covenant and without a future in heaven. So the first thing I need to ask you is, have you been born again? Have you made this commitment? Have you trusted, have you acknowledged that the death Jesus died on the cross, he died so your salvation could be purchased, so that you could be saved, because he loves you. It's a simple decision to say, I needed that, and I want that now. Romans 10, 9 says, if you will, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, before we move on to this next part, because I want as many people to be able to positively confess these covenant rights as possible. So, if you're not in the covenant, you can be in 30 seconds. Does anybody in here desire to become a Christian today? Don't be shy about it. We're talking about eternity here. All right. I believe most of us have already made that decision. So I want you to uh, say this with me. Say it after me. It's not super long, and we've got time to do it, and we'll be out of here. Heavenly Father, thank you for saving me. Thank you for the covenant I have with you. Because and only because of Jesus. I see in your word, and I believe that you have promised to be my healer, my protector, my provider, my comfort, and my strength. You will be those things to me as long as you are my Lord. So I make this confession in agreement with those promises. You are my Lord and God and Father. Because you have given them to me, I gladly and gratefully receive healing for my body, protection from evil, abundant provision. I declare by faith that I will walk in obedience, that I will walk in boldness, that I will take these promises and blessings and employ them in fulfilling the Great Commission. Give me your heart for the world. Give me wisdom to discern the times. Help me today to remember that you are my reward. Let nothing distract us from our commitment to you and to one another. Bless us indeed, Father, that we, your church, can be a blessing. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Be seated real quickly before we go. We are receiving two offerings today. It's Mission Sunday. I hope that was made clear to you on the way in. Uh, 
Both offerings are going to be received as you exit. There are two separate baskets. One says special offering, that's the mission offering. The other one is uh, our, uh, tip, our, our church offering. Uh, I am sure I mentioned this recently, but one of the wonderful things about your continued faithfulness and financial support of Living Word is that it has uh, enabled us as a church to continue to be a faithful supporter of the missions, uh, the missionaries and ministries that we support, that we're committed to. You know, some of these folks are in what I would consider to be pretty lonely outposts. And sometimes that lifeline between us and them gets stretched pretty thin. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a supply line in wartime. You could have some dedicated, wonderful soldiers on the front line, but you cut off their supply. You cut off their food and their water and their ammo, and suddenly they're ineffective. And believe me, they understand that, and they appreciate it. Um, they are trusting God for their supply and their support. And I just rejoice in the privilege we have of being the instrument that God is using to fulfill his promises to them. And he does that like everything else through faithful followers, faithful sons and daughters who trust him enough to continue to obey him in the tithe and the offering. Um, if you've got your... Uh, I'm assuming you have your checks made out. If you're writing a check, of course, it gets made out to Living Word Family Church. Um, and again, pay attention on your way out. The usher, when I'm done praying here, I'm going to pray over the offering, and then the ushers will dismiss you by row on your way out. Make sure you put the envelope. If you've got two separate offerings, make sure they're going in the right basket, and then continue to follow instructions as you exit the building. What a pleasure it's been to be with you today. Can't wait to see you again. God's got some great things in store for us as a church, doesn't he? Love you guys. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your presence here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for everything you're teaching us, every way you're changing us. And now, Lord, as always, we thank you for the wonderful privilege of giving into the work of the kingdom. We thank you for this church, and we believe and we declare that Living Word Family Church is good ground. And we thank you for the excellent ministries you have connected us with and the friendships that have developed and the mighty, mighty work you are doing through these faithful men and women around this country and around the world, as well as right here in our own uh, county. So thank you for these ministries. Bless them, Lord. Multiply, stir up others to get behind them and support them, especially as we move ever closer to the last days and the great end time harvest. And we believe, Father, that as we tithe and as we give our offerings and as we support these, these uh, missions and ministries, that it, according to your promise, will be multiplied back to us. You've promised, Lord, to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing there's not room enough to contain by faith. We boldly accept that promise. We receive it. And our heart, Lord, is to be a bigger blessing. We receive, Father. You give it to us so that we can give again. Thank you for your supply. Thank you for providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. In Jesus' name, all the believers said, amen. God bless you as you give. See you outside. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.